Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 519. Look at Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 24. Let's read our passage. Now, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are superior being instructed from the law, and if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law, you then who teach another, don't you teach yourself? You who preach, you must not steal, do you steal? You who say, you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who detest idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Paul is in Corinth on his third missionary journey, and he's there for about three months. His anticipation is to head back to Jerusalem with the collection for the poor people in Jerusalem, then go to Rome. And so he's laying the foundation for his visit there, wants to help the church grow, help the church be strengthened so that the church can be a lighthouse for the gospel in the capital city of the Roman Empire. Now he's in this section where he's addressing the overall responsibility of every single person to God for their own sin. And he's making the case of the universality of sinfulness, which is the beginning of the gospel that everyone's a sinner and needs a Savior. And he's addressing specifically the issue with the Jews right now, that the Jews are not in the special status that they don't need a Savior. They don't need to be forgiven of their sin. They don't need faith. They have their Jewishness. And he's specifically entering into the section now where he's talking about the two things that the Jews really hang their hats on. One is the law. The other is circumcision. And we're dealing with the part about law today. Next time we'll talk about the aspect of circumcision. Now he began the argument at the beginning of chapter 2 using the second person singular you, where he was talking to the Jewish people as a whole. Then he shifted to they, where he was talking about Jews and Gentiles intermingling. Now he's back to the second person singular, back to you. And he specifically means you, the Jewish people. And he's also shifted back to this uh, type of writing that we referred to earlier called diatribe, where it's like an imaginary argument that he sets up. And he's having this essentially uh, one-sided argument with the average Jewish person or the Jewish people as a whole. Let's dive into it. Verse 17, he says, Now, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are superior, being instructed from the law. There's a lot here. These are the five blessings, essentially, of being a Jew. The blessings are, one, call yourself a Jew, meaning you are part of the covenant people. This special relationship with God. So that's the first blessing, just being part of the covenant community of God's people. And rely on the law. That's the second blessing of being a Jew, is you have the Word of God. You have been entrusted with the Word of God. And it kind of leads to the third one, boast in God. 
Now, we talked a lot about boasting in Paul's stuff, and, and boasting can be bad when you're boasting about yourself, but Paul himself boasted in his own weakness, and that was part of boasting in the Lord. So here, boasting in God is a good thing. So that's the third blessing, boasting in God. And know his will. So that's the fourth blessing, knowing the will of God. Well, how do you know the will of God? Because you have the word of God. And then the fifth blessing, approve of the things that are superior. Because you have the word of God and know the will of God, you know what is good and what is bad, what is better, what is best. And, and he explains all that, being instructed from the law. So there are five blessings of being a Jew, essentially being in this special relationship with God and having this special uh, knowledge of the things of God because he has revealed himself to the Jewish people. Let's pause and just define Jew here for a minute. Remember, the Jews initially, initially called Hebrews because of their language, then Israelites, and then as they settled the promised land, uh, they were known as the Israelites, and they separated into the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel was des destroyed, which left essentially primarily the, the area of Judah, also Benjamin, but mostly it was Judah, and that's where we actually get the term Jews. So the reference to Jews would be anybody who practices Judaism or is part of the covenant community of God's people. So five blessings of being a Jew. Now these are all true. Every single one of these things is true. But there's a warning there just because those things are true. If you go back to the prophet Micah, Micah 3.11, he's criticizing the Jewish people because of their, well, they're depending on their Jewishness to get them out of trouble. Uh, Micah 3.11, he said, Her leaders issue rulings for a bribe, her priests teach for payment, and her prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord, saying, Isn't the Lord among us? No disaster will overtake us. Well, Micah's essentially saying there, Yeah, you are Jewish people in this special relationship, but that's not going to protect you from bad things happening because look at all the sin you are committing. God's judgment's going to fall on you, too. Verse 19 and 20. These are four responsibilities that the Jews essentially have been given with respect to the rest of the world. So uh, verses 17 and 18 were these five blessings of being a Jew. Well, then 19 and 20, there's four responsibilities that go along with that. So verse 19. And if you are convinced you are a guide for the blind... Well, that's a responsibility of being a Jew and having the word of God is to be a guide for the blind. That is, those that don't have the word of God. A light to those in darkness. Very similar language. That's a second responsibility. Then into verse 20, the third responsibility, an instructor of the ignorant. And the fourth responsibility, a teacher of the immature. And he explains this, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law. You have been given the law, you have been given the word of God, and you have a responsibility to share that with the rest of the world. I often say what was the purpose of God establishing Israel, and I've always said it was three parts of God's plan and his mission for the people of Israel was to 
be a community who lived in a relationship with God. Two, show the rest of the world what it looked like to live in a relationship with God and to invite the rest of the world to live in a relationship with God. It's the same responsibility for the church today to live in this special relationship with God, but then also to show the rest of the world what that looks like and invite the rest of the world to also share in that relationship with God. So the five blessings, they were all absolutely true. Then those four responsibilities, those were responsibilities that God had assigned the Jewish people to not just live in this special relationship and think they're so special, but to be a lighthouse for the rest of the world with the knowledge of the things of God. Now, verses 21 and 22, it gives four rhetorical questions. First one, verse 21, then you who teach another, don't you teach yourself? And his point here is, well, he's accusing him of hypocrisy. You who know the word of God, who know the will of God, who know the things of God, you don't really do it yourself. You're hypocrites in that you have this responsibility to teach the rest of the world, but you're not doing it yourself. Now, the next three are kind of plays off of part of the Ten Commandments. First one is about stealing. It says, you who preach, you must not steal. Do you steal? The second one's about adultery. You who say you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? And the last one's about idolatry. You who detest idols, do you rob temples? There is a lot of debate about these things. Paul is not saying every single Jew does these things. He's not even saying most Jews do these things. He's not even saying many Jews do these things. So what is he saying? Is he accusing them of stealing and adultery and idolatry? And is he using the standards that Jesus used in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, it's hard to say, and there's a lot of debate on this. I don't think so, because he's very literal in the other issues there about knowing the Word of God and teaching the Word of God. And so these things, what's, what's, what's the point here? Like specifically the one robbing temples. Has that even actually ever happened? Has there ever been a Jew who robbed a pagan temple? So a lot, of the, a lot of question exactly what does he mean here. And I think the best explanation is he's using some outrageous examples. Anybody would say that's absolutely wrong and inexcusable. Those are absolutely violations of the law, the word of God, the will of God, the Mosaic law. Of course, there's no excuse for any of that. So I think he's using those as just outrageous examples with the whole point of being, you guys have been given the law with the responsibility of teaching the law, but you really don't even do it yourself. And then these next three are just be over-the-top examples of, no one would approve that, so why would you approve the lesser things that you all do? Verse 23, you who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? And then verse 24, as is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That's a quote from Isaiah, Isaiah 52, verse 5. And his point here is, you claim to be the people of God, but the Gentiles see you don't even follow your own Jewish laws. And because of that, Gentiles don't move toward God. They actually put their hands up and say, no, I don't want any piece of that. 
they blaspheme God because they see how you don't follow God. Now, this is all still part of the part where he's talking about everyone is responsible for their own sin. And specifically, the Jews don't have this special status that exempts them from judgment. They can't say that having the law protects them. Having this membership as part of the covenant people protects them from God's judgment. So he's dealing with the law here. In the next section, he'll talk about circumcision and how there's no protection there. All this is leading up to the point that everyone is a sinner, guilty before God because of their sin. And the only solution is what God is going to do about it. The only solution to this guilty before God is forgiveness of sin, which only occurs through faith in Jesus Christ. So he's taken a long time to lead up to it, but that's his real goal, and he'll get to that in chapter 3. But we can't really read this without those in the church maybe getting a little twinge here of if we substituted those blessings of being a Jew and change that with the blessings of being a Christian, part of the Christian church. Oh, there's a lot of blessings there. Same thing. You have this special relationship with God. You have this special knowledge of God. God's revealed things. And then there's responsibilities that go along with that. And the challenge there is, are we really carrying out those responsibilities that go along with that special status that we have, the responsibility to be a lighthouse to the world and show the rest of the world what it looks like to have this relationship with God and invite the rest of the world to also share in that relationship with God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.